Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And this week we are continuing our series on the monsters and myths of the high seas. So last week we had said at the end of the show that we are going to be discussing mermaids and sirens. And for those of you who would prefer, we can possibly talk about mermen as well, if that floats your boat. I um, looked up merfolk, so. Look at this one over here, all modern and stuff. Um, <laughs> and I guess in this case, it wouldn't float your boat because these mermaids and sirens would prefer to sink it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, just shoot me. Uh... Don't. Don't. Cut them off. Justin, cut them off. (laughs) (laughs) If I do that, though, then I have to do the show myself. So This is true, but you could play both of our parts. I mean, to some, they say I already do. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) So this week, um, yeah, mermaids and sirens. Now, one thing that's really interesting when we're looking up some of these creatures and these two in particular is some of the similarities between them. Uh, you know, both come from very different uh, myths um, and really different parts of the world. Uh, but the similarities are, I mean, you can literally cut them with a knife. Like it's, it's crazy in terms of what they do, you know, uh, often leading people to their destruction, uh, mostly men, women, and ships uh, who are led into rocky shores by a beautiful song that was sung uh, over the the air, um, you know, come from who knows where, you know. Uh, supposedly these sirens, which actually the term sirens, even though it's used for Greek myth, uh, used in Greek myth, it is actually a broad term for mermaids as well to include mermaids. Sirens are a basically a creature uh, who were uh, had the ability to learn nearby sailors within their grasp uh, with enchanting music and singing voices uh, to shipwreck their boats under rocky coastlines. And it's very similar to what these mermaids do. And so when you say siren, mm-hmm. uh, you can use that term for both mermaids and in this case, the actual siren of Greek mythology, and for those bad women who like to snatch you up, use all your money, and then dump you. No, no, no skeletons in my closet there. 
<laughs> Not anymore. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, the I, I thought the the interesting thing about um the difference between mermaids and sirens is mermaids are part fish mm-hmm. and sirens are part bird. So you've got two different uh I guess animal hybrid creatures would be a good yeah. term for it. Yeah, it, it was seen that way. Um, and you have to wonder why. Now, with mermaids, there's various uh, assumptions as to as to why. Actually, I just recently, I forget who. Oh, I think it was something I was watching on TV. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't remember where I saw this or read it or heard it. But it was just this week where someone was talking about mermaids and they were using evolution as a model. Uh, in, in terms of how mermaids were created, basically the idea being that when, <laughs> basically when humanity started, you know, your old Darwinism uh, evolution, in, in which we start as a single organism, and then over time we kind of grew feet, and then we stood mm. upright, and so on and so forth, you know, and originated in the sea. So many of the models that you see uh, would be something really small, turn into a fish, that fish moves the land, flops on land until it grows feet and so on and so forth. But there's another theory in which this organism may have stayed or started on land or even uh, started in the sea and came to land. And they had feet originally. And then two paths were created. One being humans uh, went off to the right and stayed on land where they continued to develop until, you know, up to where we are now. And the other were humans that went into the sea. And the more time they spent in the sea, uh, the more through evolution, their legs kind of grew together into one big single leg and created this kind of fish-like tail uh, and eventually evolved into an actual fish tail. A little weird, doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, logically. I I had brought this up to you, I think last episode because there was okay. a there was a docu. Uh, they call it a documentary, but it was a docu drama um, that was on Animal Planet and then on Discovery Channel, and it was called Mermaids: The Body Found. And they talk about how an aquatic ape hypothesis where just like you said, apes ended up staying that stayed on land, continued their evolution and, and became humanity. Then these, uh, other offshoot went into the sea and eventually started growing gills, uh, started getting webbed hands and feet. And eventually they, their fins, their legs turn into this, this big, tail instead of uh actual legs if you think of how seals or walruses bottom halves are that's kind of how it eventually merged um it this this docu drama was really interesting um i actually had liked watching it but a lot of people were taking it literally that there was a body of a mermaid found because that's the basis for this docudrama. And so they go through this, this uh, process of talking about how 
mermaids would have evolved over time. Um, there was another one that was done on dragons that I thought was, I, I thought it was awesome. But again, people were taking it as literal because uh, Animal Planet and Discovery Channel were kind of advertising it as a documentary. Okay. But uh, I I can't remember where it finally came about that they're like, you know, this is, they say docu-fiction. Um, docu-fiction. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, I, I thought it was, it was an interesting concept how mermaids would have came about. Um, but there's also the legend of Atlantis and that supposedly merfolk are the descendants of Atlanteans. And that's, you know, when Atlantis uh, sank, that's, that's how mermaids came about too. Right. I mean, and that's kind of how it works in the DC comics universe. Um, right. You know, cause yeah, Aquaman is from Atlantis and that's where they live. But Marvel um, too. Marvel has Namor okay. who is from Atlantis and a part of the Merfolk. So I don't know who came first, Namor or Aquaman. I think Aquaman did and Mer- Mer- uh, Marvel tried to rip it off and they're like, well, we've got to make him a little bit different. So he has little right. wings on his feet instead it- of fins. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's actually really interesting when you look into the history of those two companies uh, not everything, but there are a lot of ripoffs that Marvel has taken <laughs> from DC. Uh, when DC created Green Arrow, they created Hawkeye. Uh, when right. they created, you know, stuff like that. Um, I forget who, I'm trying to think of who the equivalent in DC is to Captain America. I forget. Captain America was an original, though. I'll put that right. out there. But right. anyway, <clears throat> let's not sidetrack to that i don't get me on dc <laughs> comics i will be here the rest of the night um, so yeah i mean these so sirens come from greek mythology that's really where where it uh, originates is in greek mythology so uh in greek mythology as justin said this is a creature that's half bird half woman uh who lured sailors to destruction by the sweetness of her song now According to Homer, uh, there were actually two sirens on an island in the Western Sea between, I think it's pronounced uh, Ayi, I think. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, do you know the pronunciation of that? A-E-A-E-A. Aya? Aya, maybe? Yeah. We need a linguist on this show. We need to hire a third person to join us. <laughs> uh, and the Roxasilla. Now, later, this is, I actually find this very interesting. Uh, later on, the number was usually increased to three, and they were located on the west coast of Italy near Naples. Now, that's really cool because if you actually go to uh italy or even justin you can talk about sicily a little bit because Mm -hmm. they have what is looks like a siren basically on their crest on their uh yes crest. it's the medusa head it's the medusa head well yeah yeah it's a medusa head but it's what are the what i don't recall what were the those are legs or something there's yeah there's three legs uh it's called the tranaclia and it represents the three points of Sicily uh, because Sicily is this very interesting island where it borders Africa, Europe, and Asia 
and they have been conquered by all three at one time or another. Okay. So interesting. Um, but yeah, so these three sirens uh, were variously said to be the daughters of the sea god Forceus uh, or the river god of Achilles uh, by one of the muses. Now, why I find it, it's interesting that these sirens went from two sirens to three, of course, has to, or at least might be, the introduction of a little nor known religion that often talked about the three <laughs> uh, headships of God uh, or he- anything really related to a trinity. Uh, and of course, three makes the entity stronger. Uh, in fact, even biblically speaking, I, forgive me, I don't remember the passage off the top of my head, but um, yeah. Uh, so in terms of these three, like, why do you think the increase exactly? To, to go from two to three, because I feel like two sirens are more than enough, but we see three sirens in Greek mythology. We see them in various movies, even uh, one movie in particular, one of my favorite movies of all time actually is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, uh, where three sirens lure the escaped prisoners to a river uh, and seduce them and basically steal all their belongings. Uh, I I think that... I mean, there's always uh, power in numbers. So, yeah, I think two is is more than enough because um, you have a duet, but in a trio, you can get three different pitches. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's why it was to kind of give credence to these sirens have a song, but two uh you know two would would be powerful but three would would be even stronger okay is my guess yeah yeah and i I would assume the same thing um there's something about the number three that i think makes makes the entity strong uh but also helps kind of drive that fear into uh the people who are reading the story or people in this case who are out on the sea um you know, again, it, when you think about Christian mythology, yes, I know I said mythology for those of you Christians listening, it's don't take it the wrong way. But uh, in terms of, you know, what is the mythologies uh, behind Christianity and what is the the apologetics and stuff like that? Uh, mm. You know, obviously the Godhead, the Trinity, uh, we see it mocked through Satan, uh, the false prophet and uh, the, the beast. Um so, you know, we, we always see these three, even when you look at the c- countries that are that are like constantly at war, there's always three people standing at the head of uh, the opposing forces. You know, there's uh, it's just weird. Like, I don't know why exactly we always have three. I know numbers tend to play some sort of significant role in human history. Um, you know, even in biblically speaking, there are numbers that play a significant role. The number seven is very popular. The number six, of course, is very popular. The number three, very popular. And we see those time and time again throughout history, uh, not just in the religious senses, but just in mythological senses in everyday lives of ourselves as well. Um, and it's a little odd, like it, I'd like to know, and I don't know if there's any real history on it because I couldn't find anything. I tried looking it up. Um, but as to why people started adding in that third 
because it just seems kind of weird like hey let's make this scarier i mean most people are already scared of sirens to begin with uh mm. when they're traveling on the scene uh, on the high seas so why why do it even more so um yeah well i i decided to look this up uh numerology of three mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately it doesn't give any credence to the number three because it's all about creativity uh communication artistic charming uh weaknesses being naive unfocused shallow uh, yeah nothing about how the power of three has anything to do with anything in numerology uh there is a um in in angel numbers three represents uh, wisdom and harmony, uh, as, again, communication, creativity, optimism, but nothing to say why uh, Why is number three so powerful. Here we go. Three is the smallest number we need to create a pattern, the perfect combination of brevity and rhythm. It's a principle captured neatly in the Latin phrase, omnitrium perfectum. Everything that comes in threes is perfect, or every set of three is complete. Okay. So, I mean, that makes sense then, at least, to some extent. It's like you have, uh, you know, you have two, you just have like a split down the middle. You got two, two halves. So you have three, you have a family. Now, something not only stronger, but like you said, complete. So that does make some sense, at least in uh, the aspect of a story. Um, and if that's all, you know, whoever came up with this, adding the three in there, it was simply based on the story on mythology to make it stronger, more impactful, uh, then that would make sense. It probably right. also helps because you can easily uh, split your time between two individuals when they're talking to you. But three individuals is a little more difficult, you know? Right. And... Unfortunately, in Greek mythology, uh, the siren, it's hard to say what is a part of history and what is a part of what was their religion. Kind of, kind of like how the Bible is. It, sometimes right. it's hard to differentiate what's the history and what's the mythology in it, right. or story, anecdotal story, but. Um, you know, Jason and the Argonauts supposedly had a, a encounter with sirens. Orpheus, um, saying divinely, she was she was one of the sirens to the Argonauts. Um, but unfortunately, that's kind of where everything falls off. There's no modern day tales of sirens as far as uh, single handed accounts. The sirens do also have a similarity to the harpies, which are another part of Greek mythology, half bird, half women. The harpies were more of a uh, predator, whereas the sirens... I heard these. (laughs) Maybe that's where the term came from. (laughs) Good be. But the, the harpies didn't lead people to their death. They just attacked, where the sirens led people to their doom. 
I don't know if there's any legends about her, uh, the sirens feeding on people. I don't know if you came across uh, any of that at all. No, I, not in the mythology uh, or the mythologies. I should say that I've seen anything, but in various stories. And of course, Hollywood has done it uh, where sirens do uh, consume some individuals. Uh, they're, they're sometimes seen as sirens are very rarely ever seen as uh, half woman, half bird like they are in the Greek myths uh, in Hollywood or in much right. fictional writing. They're usually just right. seen as beautiful women who uh, when the moon hits a certain way, well, they're not so beautiful anymore and they're very monstrous uh, and they attack and you see all these you know, horrible things happening. In fact, uh, you know, one such movie, actually, I believe it was um, there were mermaids in this case, but they use them as sirens as well because there was a sweet song uh, was uh, forget which one it was like which sequel it was but it was pirates of the caribbean uh i think mm. it was the last movie i can't remember for sure uh but in that case they would actually they lured the people in and then attacked them and you saw the blood you know coming up into the water and stuff so that's more hollywood uh it, this case there's no real reason for the sirens to be leading people into the rocky shores and crumbling their ships uh leading right. them to death it just they just do well the the interesting thing is even in and there are legends of the mermaid song and you know then you get into well were they sirens were they mermaids is there a mythology merge somewhere here um because even in harry potter uh, i believe it's the goblet of fire the the mer people one of the the trials that harry goes through is uh having to go against the mer people I shouldn't say against they're they're a part of this the trial and the the hint is the song of the mermaid but oh, above water it just sounds like a bunch of screaming and screeching mm. um mm -hmm. and you put it underwater and it's a beautiful song um to and that 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 imagery in and of itself is kind of interesting because it kind of makes you feel that the mermaids were meant to be death because they would drag you under the water because that's the only way you could hear their song is under the water. Interesting. Um, but that interestingly enough, and, and it, it's kind of, cool to see this uh there are accounts around the world of mermaids whereas um the siren is specifically to greek mythology i know there's probably been stories about sirens leading people to their deaths in other areas but again is is there a connection between the mermaid myth and and the sirens so Sightings around the world, mermaids have supposedly been seen or encountered in many places, such as Florida, Bermuda, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, Israel, the North Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, Africa, Hawaii, Iceland, Antarctica. Basically everywhere. Pretty much. Um, and 
I guess it would kind of make sense because the sea, it's all over. So possibly these things are 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 swimming throughout the oceans and and the seas and other bodies of water. Um, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Eric, mermaids are are strictly uh, salt water. Have you heard anything about freshwater I, mermaids at all? I have not heard anything about freshwater mermaids, but from everything you just described in terms of where they've been located uh, based on the myth, there's no freshwater in any of those. Uh, right. Unless when you say Florida, you know, we're talking about some of the inner ponds and the lakes uh, or Florida. Yeah. But you you would think that there'd be something in the Great Lakes if there were. If there were mermaids anywhere, it'd be in the Great Lakes if it was freshwater. Uh, but yeah, there's no myths up there that I know of. I've never seen them, you know, and I've been living near the Great Lakes practically my entire life. Uh, I've got monsters, a two-headed fish. That's more of say, a human thing. <laughs> because in the, the Great uh, Lakes, it's so polluted. Somebody going in there would have been mutated into a mer person. Mermaid, yeah. Yeah, you go in there just for a little bit and your skin falls off. You know, you come out <laughs> completely naked in bones. Right. Um, so that's that's not where the the merfolk legend comes from. That's where the skeleton crew of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie comes from. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and Eric, you've heard of the bloop, correct? Yes. Um, now they've connected this sound to a creature of some kind, calling the creature the bloop. Um, I've also this might have been part of that docufiction mermaids the the recovered body uh, the body found. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but somewhere and maybe it was both. Somebody had suggested that this was proof of mermaids instead of a a large creature um so i wanted to play this bloop really quick and we'll kind of discuss what some of the what the main theory is but uh i'll play this really quick for you guys That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Now this was this particular one was caught in 1997 with deep sea microphones. Uh, apparently, we've been doing this for quite a while cap- to to try and capture sounds underwater. Uh, people are are trying to figure out what it is because they say that even whales do not make as uh, blue whales, the one of the largest whales in the world do not make as loud of a sound as what this bloop 
supposedly made. Um, interestingly enough, has not been heard since 1997, although other loud and unexplained sounds have been recorded. And the theory, the, the scientific theory behind this was uh, a result of iceberg calving. I'm not sure what calving is, but um, I think basically just icebergs colliding together, I would yeah, so the bloop sound, uh, now this is actually recorded by uh, NOAA, uh, the NOAA, and the bloop sound was basically an ice quake. Uh, so in this case, it was an iceberg cracking and breaking away from an Antarctic uh, glacier. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's what that sound came from. Uh, there is another bloop as well, which I couldn't find the audio for. I forget. I'm trying to find it because now that you brought this up, it made me remember of the other bloop that we had talked about last week after our episode, because uh, we were talking about big fish. It was part of the black fish, uh, black devil the creature, fish. right? Yeah, right. The big creature. And I forget what it was called, but it was a sound that was even louder and had a much higher screeching uh, compared to this bloop. And what we found out with that one is that it was actually an iceberg running aground and it created this really high pitch uh, kind of squeal that people thought it was some sort of whale. Uh, but of course it wasn't, it was just ice and ice. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a lake uh, in the middle of the winter. Uh, like, it's gotta be the like, almost perfect conditions, but if you go to a lake, especially like a pond in the middle of the winter and the ice is nice and solid on top, but the water's still flowing pretty well on the bottom, uh, you can actually hit it with a stick or throw a rock and you get this really cool reverberation through the ice that sounds almost like springs colliding together and bouncing everywhere. It's the weirdest sound. Uh, but ice always tends to have these odd, odd sounds when they crack or when they rub up against objects. Uh, you can even do it in like, you know, a nice cube in a glass. You can get some weird sounds uh, coming off the bottom of the glass, just the way that the ice is shaped and it's overall. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, just just the way it's developed like are designed um the density of it yeah yeah so i i always want to believe the scientific explanation but with these bloops to me i i couldn't even tell you what it would have come from but iceberg you would think and, and maybe i'm wrong but you would think that there would be more of a, a cracking sound or something but it, i guess maybe this think. was something that is falling into the water not necessarily you're not catching the sound above the water where the cracking would have happened i guess Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever go underwater and listen to uh, somebody talking above it, it's very muffled. You get that muffled sound. Mm -hmm. It's because the right. water, uh, just the way the molecules are, you know, it creates this kind of dampener. And so everything that happens underwater, even if you go under and you click, like you snap your fingers or clap or something, the sound is altered. And so you have to consider that the depending on where this... Um, whatever that would they use some sort of microphone right to cap to capture this so depending on how far away it was 
you have to consider the, the, the fact that as sound uh, moves away from the object that created it, it spreads. The sound becomes bigger and thinner and it eventually dissipates. And when it's going through water, it's going to uh, change slightly depending on the objects that it's going through. So it might be the solidity of the water itself. You know, if there's more salt in one part of the ocean than there is in another, the sound might change. If it's going through rock or coral or anything like that, uh, going past fish, uh, large whales, that all those things are going to shape the sound. So we might get something vastly different on the other side than what we would get if we were right there next to it, which is why when the bloop happened, uh, there was all this curiosity as to what the heck it was, and it created kind of an internet sensation uh, until finally scientists were able to narrow it down and say, oh, it was just this ice quake. Right. All right, folks, um, we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Paratruth Radio. We're going to hear uh, Eric's random fact of the day, a quick commercial, and we will be right back right after this. Now. Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that the 100 folds in a chef's hat represent 100 ways to cook an egg? According to goodhousekeeping.com, that tall pleated white hat that chefs wear, technically called a toque, has 100 folds for a reason. According to Reclutant Gourmet, the pleats used to signify a chef's level of experience like the number of ways he or she knew how to prepare eggs. This was Eric's random fact of the day. Hi, I'm Brooke Haley Martin. And I'm Erin Skrivak. And we have a little web series called Audition, Audition Life. Life. Inspired by true events, our series focuses on all the things that could potentially go wrong in an audition. And trust me, what can go wrong will. You can watch the series by going on www.auditionlifetheseries.com or by following us on the Instagram handle at Audition Life the Series. Break, Break a, a leg! Welcome on back, everybody, to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And today we are talking about mermaids and siren. Today I'm your mermaid and Justin's your siren. So listen to my voice and not his. Otherwise, you're going to crash into something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we were talking about some similarities between them. And of course, we talked a little bit about the history, uh, the Greek myth, as well as just the really world myth of mermaids, because uh, they don't really originate in a specific spot. They kind of come from all over the world. And the current myth that we have of them is just this conjunction of stories that come from various ends of the earth. Um, now, right before break, we did talk a little bit about the bloop and didn't kind of, I don't think we fully talked about why you brought up the bloop other than, you know, it was a weird thing that people thought was some sort of creature maybe. Uh, well, it, it, I think they used it in this docu-fiction um, to say maybe it, to say it was a mermaid. Oh, town. I see. I um, see. I don't remember if this there was a um any type any type of theory behind it being mermaids prior to that because the docu uh, fiction came out in twenty eleven or I'm sorry twenty twelve 
but this bloop happened in 1997. Um, so I think that's kind of where it came from was they had used the bloop um, in, in Mermaid's The Body Found to say that this must have been a mermaid because nobody can say definitively what it was. Got it. Okay, well, that makes some sense then. Um, yeah, it, it's weird because, you know, it, this is kind of the thing about um, these docu-fiction stories. Uh, they come off as so realistic. They actually did one recently uh, here in Ohio, too, on Helltown. Uh, and Helltown is Boston Heights, Ohio, or a, a part of Boston Heights, Ohio, which uh, Justin and I have talked about in the past a couple mm. of times, actually. And it was the idea that this town is not only haunted, but is ran by um, by occultists. The melon heads were supposedly from that area as well. Uh, and so they created this documentary called Helltown. That was the title. And they went into this whole story about how these occultists came together and you know created this crazy you know, story of why people shouldn't be going there and how they would kill people and there's all these dangers. None of it is true. And even at the end of the docu uh, fiction, there's a little statement that says all stories in here are fabricate, fabric, fabricated. Uh, none of it is real. All names are fake. You know, and a lot of people don't watch through the end credits because they always put that on the very end credit. Right. And the reason being is they want people to believe it because if it seems true there's more people who are going to be tuning in and the unfortunate thing about that which is why justin and i are here with paratruth uh is that we can reinform you as to what the truth is because so many people start believing these lies and then we have all kinds of uh falsified information out there that people are believing that just aren't real and you know it's fine if you want to believe those kind of things but what happens when you're trying to have a serious conversation with somebody who knows better and then you look like a fool because you don't know the truth. Um, right. So you, you just have to be very careful, you know, and, and many of these, uh, I think that came on destination America, uh, Helltown. And so you okay. just got to be careful when you're tuning into some of those, uh, you do not just a little bit of research. It doesn't take much and you'll find that, you know, what's real and what's fake. You know uh, if it says docufiction, it's fake. If it says, uh, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, what is it that the office that was, it, do you know what the style of that was called? Uh, there's a style. Not sure. Uh, I wasn't I can't a think fan of, what, of the office, so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I only, I only watch it when other people watch it. I won't watch it by myself. <laughs> it's too, <laughs> too scary for me. I don't like work. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of like the Blair Witch though when the Blair Witch Project first yeah. came out it almost felt like they were pitching it as an actual documentary right yeah and that was really the birth of this uh, first person or found footage uh, right. movie uh, and you know and since then we've had found footage movies come out like crazy one of the most popular of all time was of course the paranormal activity series mm -hmm. which basically the entire series is shot like that and of course we have a new paranormal activity be in development right now so uh, um, but yeah you know it, it's just those things where you have to be careful because it does seem so real. And the reason for that is to strike fear into its audience, its core audience, 
which are the people who want to be scared. Mockumentary was the word I was trying to think of. Uh, oh. And that's basically mocking a documentary. So anything that's right. mockumentary or docufiction isn't real. Uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, so the something that I, I don't know if you're aware, Eric, but um, they say that supposedly the mermaid mythology is actually based on the manatee. Did you know that? I did not know. Um, and I don't know how you could mistake a rather robust creature with the face of a cow. They're also known as the sea cow. Um, you, you could mistake that for a beautiful woman with a fish tail. I mean, I know the seas get lonely, but and a lot of rum. <laughs> Why is the rum gone? Um, but I wanted to play the sound of the of a manatee underwater, um, just to show that. I mean, it's a possibility because they do sound very, uh, kind of like whales, sort of underwater. But I'll play. Writing's it not that easy. Or Grammarly can help. This sentence is grammatically. Okay, so this is above water. And this will be below water. So very, very methodic sounds. Uh, they use these sounds to express uh, sexual arousal, angle, anger, fear, uh, kind of like most whales. <clears throat> um, the vocalization is, is communication, of course. Um, so it, it, it would make sense if you're hearing this Say you're you're taking a swim off of your your boat. You hear this sound, thinking it it's a song of some kind, and then you randomly just see a tail. You don't see anything else. You just see a tail, um, pad, uh, paddling away. So your mind creates this image of oh my god, there's a woman with a fin tail down here. And back in the time of the Caribbean, I mean, we we did have scientists throughout history, but you've never seen a manatee before. You've never seen any underwater mammals, per se, before, other than maybe a whale, a shark, which a shark is not a mammal. But, um, but if they were, it'd be horrifying. <laughs> I, I mean, interestingly enough, sharks do g give live births, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, they don't. Okay. Are, yeah, aren't I, there certain I, I, sharks that do? 
Maybe. <laughs> See, I, 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 maybe I, I'm mistaken, but. Yeah, no, I mean, usually, <clears throat> so usually there's these like little, not little, they're probably like about three inches long, the three to four inches long, uh, but they're like these black pods that sharks are in uh, when they're born. Um, but yeah, but can you imagine like a mammal shark? A mammal would, you would, it would suggest it could breathe, breathe the air. So it'd be like, I just saw, I saw a, uh, a meme today about people staying out of the ocean because of sharks. Uh, I think it's like Australia or something. And the meme showed this person walking on the beach and a shark jumping up out of the ocean onto the beach to eat the person and said, people aren't going in the ocean anymore because they're afraid of sharks. So sharks have settled for curbside pickup. <laughs> uh, guy, you guys have no idea how much I just laughed to myself in my car when I'm looking at stuff. <laughs> Not that I'm on my phone while I'm driving, but you know, red lights and stuff. I get bored fast. <laughs> so, it, I mean, maybe there's a, a half woman, half fish creature swimming the depths of the ocean. I find it very unlikely, mm-hmm. but we we've talked about this from the start of this of this uh series oceans we we haven't even come close to exploring the ocean as much as it it could be um so possible i guess but where would it have come from um you know in in terms of science why would would humanity have all of a sudden decided to go into the water instead of stay on land and develop these things. Um, because I, if I'm not mistaken, the docu-fiction, it's going to be so weird continually saying this, docu-fiction, um, the, this evolution would have been micro-evolution because in time, the these ape-like creatures they wouldn't be able to survive in the water right away for long periods of time. It would have to be bred where eventually the hands got webs. Eventually they started developing uh, gills instead of having the normal lung function like humans do. And eventually the tails would have formed rather than the webbed hands and feet. Though there are legends of mer people just having webbed hands and feet over the tail too. Okay. But what what are your thoughts between the the siren and the the mer folk? Do you think there's any validity to that? Even with the siren, I guess. What are your thoughts on what would have created this this legend? I mean, honestly, I think it's just most likely, uh, at least in terms of the modern myth of sirens and mermaids, because, I mean, when you consider the myth uh, of Greek myth, you know, some of those stories are written just as stories. Uh, I mean, many religions have stories, not that those stories didn't have meaning. You know, a lot of them are like parables. Um, but I think many of these creatures like those two uh, are usually used as 
kind of a symbol to ward people away from certain areas. Uh, to be aware when you're on the seas, especially late at night, don't go around this area here, uh, this island, because there's a rocky shore. And maybe people aren't afraid of rocky shores back then. What's the best way to ward them off? Create this monster. Uh, you know, people don't want to mess with things they don't understand. Uh, so I definitely think that that's a possibility as to how they became came about. I think it just you know, originated with one person's imagination to try to control uh, the population in some way, you know, uh, and we still see that today. You know, that was one of the things we actually discussed uh, long ago on our episode uh, of the Salem Witch Trials, uh, the birth of American communism, uh, you know, and that's something that we continue to see because there are these stories being made up uh, by a number of people and people groups to try to strike fear to people and keep them from doing things that they don't want them to do. Uh, one, for example, is the coronavirus. Now, I'm not saying the coronavirus isn't dangerous. It is. Uh, for obvious reasons, the statistics are there to prove it. But with that said, there was a thing that I listened to on NPR uh, at the beginning of the summer, so it was right around June, uh, in which the... Um, Oh, what's what's the girl who who I think it was God. Who's the uh, the group that's running the tests and CDC? Could not oh. think of the word. <laughs> <laughs> the group. It's the group. It's a, it's the it's group. a government organization. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all just the, they're all groups. They're like Boy Scouts. <laughs> Boy Scouts wearing suits is all they are. I mean, that's it. <laughs> little kids sitting around a table. Um, anyway, so the CDC uh, at the beginning in, in June, uh, they were saying, oh, we have to keep masks mandatory. Don't take them off. It's dangerous. You'll spread the disease, even if you have your vaccination. Literally within 24 hours, they came back and said, if you're vaccinated, you do not need to wear it. You're protected. You're fine. You don't need to worry about it whatsoever. Um, and there was a lot of discussion as to why the CDC would completely flip on their story. Why would they say one day, even if you're vaccinated, you can be killed by it. And then the very next say, oh, you don't need your mask, you're fine. And the reason being is, according to NPR and who uh, they talked to, in this case, scientists uh, who are following the investigative reports of the CDC, uh, is that the CDC was simply trying to see whether or not the population of the world would follow their demands on cue. So it was a test. And when they realized it wasn't quite working, they just came out and said, never mind, you don't need the masks, which is really messed up when you consider it, uh, right. you know, the reason behind it. So again, to this day, there are still stories being made up to strike fear into people. Some of these stories, reasonably so. You know, there's, sometimes there's a reason that you need to strike fear to people because they won't do things otherwise. But most of these things are to protect you. You know, you figure the sirens, they weren't to protect anyone but the sailors in the stories, you know, right. don't go near there. Same with the mermaids, you know, it's, don't go into the water. Again, these mermaids could have basically been made up because of sharks, you know, swimming around. True. Uh, yeah. You know, and people understand sharks. Scary, but sharks mermaids yeah so well i think that's pretty much it on sirens and mermaids unless you had anything else 
No, I don't. Okay. All right, folks. So I hope you've enjoyed the Mermaid Siren episode. Um, we're going to keep going with this as far as the uh, monsters and leg- uh, myths and monsters of the high seas. I I tend to go towards the cryptids and, and sea creatures or monsters. So next week, unless you've got something else, Eric... I found two creatures that are kind of interesting. Okay. Um, and these are from Japan, completely opposite side of the world. Uh, the Kabagan and the Zuyomaru creature. If Have you ever heard of either of those? No. No. Okay. Are um, those Japanese the, names? I, I would assume so. Because okay, that's probably why I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> the, the Zuyo Maru car- Carcass, mo- the mon- creature, monster, uh, it was found in by New Zealand, but it was it was picked up by a Japanese fishing trawler uh, okay. called the Zuyo Maru. So that's why it was named that, that name. But I think th- these will be interesting. Uh, we'll... Start looking up some of the the myths and legends of the high seas. I know uh, a lot of people want to hear us talk about the um, what was Davy Jones's boat, the Flying Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman. I I know people want to hear our, our our take on that legend, and we might possibly touch base on it. But it's such a common one that everybody talks about that it's like let let's think outside the box and, and cover something a, a little bit different. Um, so we'll touch base on those. We'll start looking up some myths and legends as well. Eric, maybe you can find some that that strike your fancy. We'll, we'll touch base on those, not next episode, but the following one. But that is pretty much it for this week. Um, until next week, folks, uh, we've got some interesting things coming up for Paratruth Radio. I can't announce anything as of yet, but as soon as we have the go, we will give you some information on it. But until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher? 
or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.